Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Lysianus, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the, one, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of, oh, sorry, we're stopping there. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few weeks ago, I mentioned how much I like Christmas movies. My favorite movie is a movie called Elf. This is a movie that features Will Ferrell. He plays Buddy the Elf, a human who has been raised by elves since birth and lives at the North Pole. Buddy works in Santa's workshop. Buddy goes to elf school. He's doing all the right things, but he just can't quite get the hang of being an elf because he's not an elf. He's a human, and he doesn't know this until he hits a growth spurt and suddenly is six feet tall. Buddy learns that his biological father lives in New York City, so Buddy sets off, and his first day in the city, he walks into a department store. With his elf outfit on, he's mistaken for a sales clerk, and the manager puts him to work. And it's there that he hears the news. The news that the very next day, Santa is coming. Santa! I know him! Buddy exclaims. He's so excited. And then he looks around the store and realizes that while it is tastefully decorated for Christmas, it just won't do for Santa. No, Buddy stays in the building all night long, decorating from the ceiling to the floor with garlands and lights and ornaments and candy canes. He recreates a Christmas wonderland for the man he worships and adores. We've all felt this excitement, at least in small part. We've all felt the anticipation. Maybe it was the anticipation of Santa's visit. Maybe it was the anticipation of being reunited with someone we love. When I was growing up, every Christmas morning, my family would spend time together at the house, and then for Christmas evening, we would drive to my grandmother's house, where we would wait for my aunt, uncle, and cousin to arrive from South Carolina. My grandmother had a 1950s ranch-style house with casement windows. Some of you remember these. They had a crank. You would crank it open, and then you would crank them closed. We kept them closed in the winter, but my brother and I would stand on our tiptoes right in front of one of those windows waiting. And every time a car rounded the corner, 
we hoped it would be our cousin. The whole time we waited, we could smell the food, the green beans and ham, the mashed potatoes and gravy and rolls. All of the food was ready and prepared. The tree was up, the presents were underneath it. Everything was ready for the big family Christmas celebration. And we felt this anticipation before, that standing on your tiptoes, peering through the darkness kind of anticipation. This is the excitement, the anticipation that the Gospel of Luke is pointing to in our New Testament passage. Here we we are introduced to John the Baptist. He's one that cries out in excitement, prepare the way for the Lord. Luke doesn't say a lot about what that preparation looks like. He doesn't talk about making casseroles or cake. He doesn't mention Christmas trees or presents or even getting the guest room clean and ready. These are things we do to prepare for Christmas, but Luke doesn't mention it. Instead, he goes on and on about a road building project. Did you hear that? Cut a path straight, fill in the valleys, carve down the mountains, smooth over the rough spots. The only step he's missing in road building is to pour on the asphalt, and that's only because asphalt had not been invented yet. So why? Why does the presence of God require us to build a road? To answer that question, we have to go back to the prophet Isaiah. We read this as our Old Testament passage. This is the, the description that we're given of John the Baptist is a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. And here we read these words. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. Now, you might notice two things as you read these two passages, the Isaiah 40 and then the quotation of it in Luke. First, the Gospel of Luke implies that the voice is in the wilderness. But Isaiah instead talks about the voice, uh, not the voice, the road being in the wilderness. I like to remember that our Old Testament was written without vowels and our New Testament in its original Greek was written without punctuation at this point. There's some interpretation that might be happening here, but what we know from the story of John the Baptist and of Jesus is that we are given a little bit of both. Yes, the voice comes from the wilderness that connects John the Baptist to the prophet Elijah who also lived in the desert. And yes, there is a road in the wilderness, through the wilderness, because what John the Baptist is doing is reminding us of that promise in Isaiah chapter 40, where God commands a road to be built through the desert. But again, why build a road for the coming presence of God? Now, I grew up off a very rural highway in central Georgia, Highway 57, it's still there. Highway 57 was a good two-lane highway. It was very curvy, it was very dark at night, you always had to dodge the deer. That highway was my family's lifeline to the big city of Macon, where I went to school, and the little town of Gordon, where I went to church. But when I was a kid, that highway was also in the process of being transformed. Because back in 1989, the leaders of the state of Georgia realized that if our state was going to grow, we needed bigger and more modern 
roads, particularly through the central and southern part of the state. So a plan was created to create an east-west conduit that would link Columbus and Macon to the, uh, the factories there to the port in Augusta. And the project was called the Fall Line Freeway. That was in 1989. Fast forward 20 years, 2013, the project is just getting off the ground. Right. Some people worked their whole life and they worked on this project for the state of Georgia. Um, in 2013, my dad takes me to the top of a hill near our house and he points out across acres and acres of undeveloped pine forest and says, that is where the new road will go. And when I think about Isaiah 40 and that road in the wilderness, I think about that memory and the fascination I felt trying to imagine a road where there is no road. So Isaiah 40 is a prophecy given to the Jewish people during the Babylonian exile. We uh, remember in 587 BC, the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom of Judah. They take the residents of Judah and Jerusalem back to Babylon. This is where we get stories like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Ezekiel the prophet, also about uh, an exile in Babylon. All of these folks are taken to Babylon and they're taken by a road. It's a, it's a road, it, it loops around the edge of the desert. The road is almost double the distance a crow flies between Jerusalem and Babylon. So there is a road already, the exiles have traveled the road, but according to Isaiah, the Lord says, comfort my people, in the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord, a highway in the desert. Not just any road, a direct route, in fact, Scholars believe a parade route. Scholars think that what Isaiah has in mind is a kind of royal processional road that kings would use to display their power and glory and might. In fact, even today, heads of state engage in these kinds of parades. And on this route, this way, it runs not around the wilderness, but right through it, through places of emptiness and desolation, through ruin. Because even in the wilderness, God's glory will be seen. Isaiah 40 promises to these exiles they will march home and the Lord God will lead the procession. It's no small feat to build a massive highway. Politically, financially, logistically, even when the Fall Line Freeway made use of existing roads, those small winding roads had to be made straight. The valleys had to be filled in, the mountains brought low, the rough places made smooth. This project cost the state of Georgia $81 million in taxpayer money. It was contentious. The environmentalists had concern about the wetlands, the preservationists were worried about thousand-year-old Native American sites, the country folk worried about urbanization, and the city folk wondered why we should spend so much money on a road that went through the sticks. It's kind of hard to imagine, right? What, how what we build today will benefit us tomorrow. And it was hard for folks to imagine from 1989 all the way until it was complete in 2018, how this road might contribute to our future. But, as people of faith, we are constantly called to imagine and to prepare the way. 
This Friday afternoon, I had the chance to visit the new Must Ministries facility off Cobb Parkway. When it's open, that building will triple the capacity that Must has to provide shelter and services. Now, the building isn't quite ready yet, but it's very close. So we had a prayer walk, and we prayed that every person who walked through those doors would find rest and renewal, peace and strength, and the support they need to flourish. It is exciting to see a building come together. One of the board members told me it has taken six years to get where they are today. Six years of dreaming and planning and prayer and fundraising and hard work. And six years actually isn't a lot of time. Projects like this often take even longer, but it's been a lot of road construction for the people involved. And this congregation has been part of making that vision a reality. Um, we have supported the build of two family homes, uh, they, or family rooms. Those rooms allow children and their parents to stay together in the shelter. We've contributed to one of the, the laundry facilities on site. And this is important work because this, is, this building is not just a bunch of drywall and concrete. This building is an expression of hope. It's an expression of our hope that in this community, the poor, the orphan, the widow, the stranger, the vulnerable will find care, that there is room at the end. In the wilderness, we are called to prepare a way. And we know that it is in the desolate places, in the ruins, that our God expects us to build. So how is God calling you to build in the wilderness? How are you preparing for the presence of God in your personal life, in your communal life? This is our second week of Advent. The theme this week is peace. And this week we reflect on the peace that God promises us. And when we, when we pass the peace here, I often re remind us all we're not just sharing a greeting, we're, we're sharing our desire for reconciliation and our hope for wholeness and shalom within this community. And so here at Advent, we have this task to bring that reconciliation and wholeness into being in our lives, in every area of our lives. How do we do it? Sometimes it's a small act, it's kindness to a stranger, giving grace to someone who has wronged us, building bridges, seeing those who are overlooked. Sometimes it may be missional, maybe we volunteer to teach at Club 330, or we volunteer Monday night to, to hand out food at our front door. In small ways, in large ways, we are invited to prepare the way for the Prince of Peace. Buddy the elf prepares for Santa enthusiastically. He takes the store that is already decorated and he brings it over the top. And the result looks like a Christmas tree exploded. It's overwhelming. It's almost an eyesore because Buddy is just that excited. And I wonder what our lives would look like if we were that excited for Jesus coming, if we were that excited, how would we decorate? How would we serve? How would we give? How would we love? What things would we do away with? What would we do more of? This Advent, 
in the wilderness of despair. May we begin to build. May we begin to prepare a way. And as we build, may we watch and wait, knowing that just around the corner, Jesus is on his way. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.